0: Hello and welcome to Covered to Credits, the bi-weekly podcast where we discuss books and their movie adaptations. I'm Ian George.
1: And I'm Adina Hilton. In this episode, we'll be discussing Little Women. Little Women was written by Louisa May Alcott and it was published in 1868? 1868 and 1869.
0: <laughs> and the film adaptation, the one we're discussing this episode, came out in 2019, and was directed by Greta Gerwig.
1: It just came out. Just
0: came out. We saw it last night. Uh, theater was full. Yes. So I'm hoping. I'm really hoping this movie gets a lot of attention, a lot of acclaim. Yes. We're crossing our fingers for Oscar talk, uh, because Greta Gerwig is fantastic. Yes. And more women directors and writers need to be acknowledged. Absolutely. And I think if this movie doesn't do it, I don't know what will. I know.
1: (laughs) (laughs) We had multiple requests uh, for this episode from listeners and patrons alike. So we're really excited to do it.
0: A lot of enthusiasm. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And we also want to remind our patrons who, um, and our patrons are those who contribute to us on Patreon, um, you will get a bonus episode on the 1994 version with, Winona Ryder and Christian Bale.
0: Yeah, I'm I just found out that Christian Bale was in that version. Yeah. I didn't know. So <laughs> I definitely want to see it. I'm excited about that.
1: Yeah. So patrons look forward to that um, coming soon.
0: Yeah. And I'm so excited to talk about this version because it's so unique It is and so interesting. And it's like the exact kind of thing I want to talk about when talking about adaptations like this, yes. because in one way it is extremely faithful to the source material. Yeah. But it does something totally different with mm-hmm. it just in terms of tweaking the timeline and how we're viewing the story. Yeah. In terms of jumping back and forth between a quote unquote present and past. And it gives like so much different context to scenes and to characters and the story. Yeah. While, you know, like we said – staying true mostly to the original uh, plot line. And we discover this very early on in the movie because we get scenes that would take place in the book like, halfway to three quarters of the way through the story.
1: Yeah. We start with a clearly adult Joe who is selling some stories to a newspaper. Mm-hmm. So, you know, she's clearly we're establishing her as a figure who's already a writer and is trying to find su- some success in publishing. Um, and I love that the movie starts us out with these characters as adults because um, Ian and I talked about this, but so many of these adaptations, like it's a struggle because the characters start out so young mm-hmm. and then have to be like older, especially for Beth and Amy who are the youngest. Yeah. But this movie starts us immediately out, um, with the characters as adults. So we see the actors as adults first yes. and then as children second. So it's a little more believable when we flash back and their kids because we're already firmly established them as adults.
0: Yeah, it kind of eases you into them being yeah. younger, or, you, you know, by, by showing them in closer to what their actual age is as actors. Yeah. And they never do specifically say how old they are. We find out that, like, I think the past, quote unquote, is I think they say seven years Yes, prior to when we first see them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, like, we never find out, like, how old they are in the present versus past. So it's a little ambiguous. You can kind of read into whatever their age is. Yeah. But when it starts, yes, uh, Joe is trying to become a writer. She's trying to sell her stories. We see Amy is in Europe. She is studying painting and art and trying to become an artist. And she is there with her Aunt March. Mm -hmm. Uh, And early on, she runs into the character of Lori. Yes. And they're... You quickly, you know, understand that their relationship is a close one. She's very excited to see him. And we find out immediately that Lori has been rejected by Joe. Yeah. In a a marital proposal, essentially. Mm -hmm. And so we're quickly kind of, like, getting hints at, like, what these relationships are and maybe things that have happened, but...
1: I'd be really interested for someone who has no idea... Of the story, how this would work for them.
0: I agree, yes.
1: Because I like it, because as someone who's very familiar with the original story, and I've seen, you know, one of the other movies a long time ago, I feel like most people who watch this movie will be familiar enough with the story that at the beginning you already know kind of who the characters are. Yes. But it might be confusing for someone who has no familiarity
0: with the story at all. Potentially, especially since you have... The actors playing both versions. Yes. It's not like you're cutting back and forth between different. Child actors. Child actors and adult ones. Mm-hmm. It's like the same actresses and actors. And so uh there was an occasional time when it was a little confusing. But I think a lot of times that was also somewhat intentional. Yeah. Based on. To blur
1: the past and the present. Yes,
0: absolutely. Mm-hmm. So I do think it was interesting too in that way. But. I agree. We have this discussion a lot about would I be confused in the movie not having the book context? Yeah. And that is something if you saw this movie without having read the book or knowing previous versions of it. Send us an email or yeah, message us.
1: Tell us what you thought and if you were confused at the beginning. Getting introduced to these characters that were clearly already supposed to know what's going on and you're like, "What?" Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> we also are introduced to Meg, the oldest sister who yeah. is married with kids mm-hmm. and you know, is living that that classic married life it appears.
1: And Beth who is just there.
0: Just <laughs> being Beth.
1: Yeah, you be, know.
0: Sweet Sweet Beth.
1: <laughs> Poor
0: sweet Beth.
1: <laughs> and uh, Joe is living in New York City. She's staying in a boarding house. And she is kind of like she meets this German professor. And they talk. And there's a scene where they they go to a play and meet each other afterwards. And like there's dancing. So there's clearly like something there that's yes. being set up now.
0: And like we said, this is kind of out of order for the book. But I do think this accomplishes a lot of things uh, that we'll probably talk about more later. But like, I think being introduced to Lori and Amy early yes. on and kind of seeing their interactions at the beginning. Yeah. Helps the story. Same with Joe and uh, Mr. Bear. Yeah. Seeing them and their kind of connection early on makes these things that happen in the book in the last Third, yes, seemingly out of nowhere, it kind of like establishes them a little bit more in the movie and makes them feel a little bit more normal. puts them in our
1: head ahead of time.
0: Yes, yeah. Yeah. So that's Mm -hmm. something interesting that this out of timeline, uh, movie kind of does. It's very interesting, I think.
1: Yeah, and then this is where in the movie it flashes back to the past, and it's seven years earlier, and it's the March sisters when they're young. And uh, the movie constantly is going back and forth between the past and the present. But that's kind of hard to discuss. Yes. So for the most part, we're just going to follow kind of chronologically now from the um, their childhoods on. We will talk a little bit more about the movie structure as we go, but it is a little disorienting. So
0: it is. Yeah. <laughs> because we can't take notes in the theater. Yeah. <laughs> uh, afterwards, we got dinner and we were like
1: furiously scribbling. Yes.
0: Furiously writing <laughs> and trying to remember how it played out in the movie. And yes. like, where did it jump out? And forth here, and mm-hmm. so it, it was challenging. So we probably don't even have the best uh mental roadmap of the movie. So uh, like we said, we're gonna go pretty much in chronological order of the book, yeah, for a ways.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And we get introduced to them in the best way, I think, in the <laughs> yes. movie, where Joe and Uh, meg are getting ready for a party
1: yes
0: (laughs) and joe is trying to curl meg's hair
1: and ends up burning it off (laughs) and it's so funny in both the book and the movie it plays out the same but they end up going to this party and meg is like joe don't do this and this and this because you're super embarrassing (laughs) and this is where joe meets laurie
0: Yes, Joe, in her just discomfort at this kind of like social gathering, tries to get away and ends up running into Lori. Mm -hmm. And we know early on or quickly that Lori is like a next door neighbor to the March family, but they don't really see him very often.
1: And he was abroad, like he was raised elsewhere. Yeah. And he's kind of more lately come back to the house to live with his grandfather. And the two of them have... this instant connection
0: yes where
1: they're both kind of feeling a little awkward and shy but then they find this friendship and camaraderie in each other and there's this really great scene in both the book and the movie where he asks her to dance and she admits that she scorched her dress (laughs) (laughs) in the fire so she doesn't want anyone to see her dress so they dance together like in the corridors yeah, like, the little private area. And it's so fun in the movie. They do all these, like, crazy dance moves.
0: Yes. I love how kind of free yes. and kind of wild they both are. Mm-hmm. And how this kind of sets Joe apart from, like, not to say she's not like other girls, but she's a little less she's hindered. She's more
1: tomboyish. Yeah. You know? A little less
0: hindered by, like, the social norms for girls. Yeah. And so her and Lori just have this instant kind of, like, bond and connection. Yeah. And I think it's done so well in the movie, too.
1: Mm-hmm. Should we talk about the March girls a little bit?
0: Yeah, yeah. So, and the
1: casting as well.
0: Absolutely. So let's go in an order of a uh, like age. Uh, Meg is the oldest Oldest to
1: the littlest of yes. women. <laughs> the least
0: little to the most little. <laughs> the least little slash oldest being Meg. Yes, played by Emma Watson. Mm-hmm. And. Meg is, I I think the book does such a good job, especially at the beginning, of kind of establishing what their dynamic is like, what their personalities are like. Mm -hmm. Meg does have a bit of a love for the finer things. The finer
1: things in life.
0: Despite their family being poor and not really having access to a lot of nice things, Meg does enjoy kind of like this higher class kind of like society and the dress and like all these things that go along with it. Mm Mm-hmm. And she does kind of this is kind of like a um, I don't want to say character fault of hers, but something that kind of is like, it's with like her
1: weakness, you know? Yeah. She's also more romantic, I'd say, than any of the other uh, sisters. That's
0: probably fair. Yeah.
1: Joe, of course, is kind of the main character. Um, she's tomboyish. She talks about how she wish- wishes she was a boy, um, more brash, kind of speaks her mind a lot. And also she really loves to write stories yes
0: it's it's this passion of hers that she's been doing since a young age and yet she's just such a wonderful fun character i think her flaws are well balanced with who she is as a person like yeah i think the things that you admire about her are very quickly able do to become flaws a lot of times yeah like her brashness and her like anger at things and I really Mm -hmm. love that about her. Yeah. That those things are so kind of like hand in hand in a way.
1: Yeah and she's played by Saoirse Ronan who um, is amazing as Joe. She's
0: so good despite her uh, our discussion about her in our last episode on The Host. (laughs) uh, Luckily this is a much much better example of how skilled she is as an an actress. Oh yeah. Uh, She has such a range of like humor and um tear-jerking scenes and Mm -hmm. just like she's fantastic and has worked with Greta Gerwig before in the movie Lady Bird which was also excellent Mm -hmm.
1: um next is Beth who is just the sweet simple angel (laughs) child um whose only job is to make the rest of them look bad pretty much
0: (laughs) she's like so sweet and like has these like Basically, all she does at home all day is just she has these dolls yeah. that she, like, cares for, especially, like, the ugly, like, maimed ones that, yeah. like, used to belong to Joe. She, like, takes, like, special sweet care of them, and she she has an affinity for music. Mm-hmm. She loves to play the piano, and they have a piano at their home, but it's, like, real shitty yeah, and, like, out of tune constantly, so mm-hmm. she kind of struggles with that, like, wanting to be more musical but not really having the access to that yeah. that she would like. Mm-hmm. And she, I'm not going to remember the actress's name, but she was in Sharp Objects recently. In a
1: very different role.
0: (laughs) So different. Yeah. I was shocked because when I heard she was cast... And I was reading the book. I'm like, oh, she's definitely going to be Amy.
1: Yeah. I thought
0: for sure she'd be Amy. <laughs> uh, and that's mostly based on her role in Sharp Objects. But she does a good job as Beth as well.
1: No, she did a really good job. Um, that brings us to the littlest of little women, which is Amy, <laughs> the youngest, who is very spoiled and kind of selfish, especially yeah. at the beginning. And in the book, she is always like pretending she's like high and mighty and is trying to use all these big words, but she doesn't know the meaning to any of them. So she kept saying the wrong words. Which is kind of annoying.
0: Uh, And this is where Amy in the book when it starts is supposed to be 12 years old. Yeah. And this is where the movie is maybe. uh,
1: Pushing it a little bit. Yeah. In terms of
0: her being like. Even though she's not said to be 12, yeah. sometimes her actions are very immature, mm-hmm. and you could just attribute that to her personality in a way. Yeah. And the actress, uh, Pugue.
1: Florence Pugue, Florence
0: Pugue, or I'm not sure how to say her name. Uh, she does a great job. Oh, yeah. And especially in the movie, because of the jumping back and forth in time we see her, as both this like very immature, brash, kind of like young girl. Yeah. And then this very sophisticated lady mm-hmm. that she is when we see her in Europe. Yeah. And I think as an actress, she does a great job with that. Oh, yeah. But there are points when she's younger it's that I'm like. It's a little too much. It is a little bit much. I'm <laughs> like, oh, man, she's definitely at least 20 and kind of acting like a 12 year old.
1: Yeah. Of course, Marmy, the mom, is played by uh, Laura Dern. Which she's really great.
0: <laughs> it's so funny because in the book she's very like kind of homely. Yeah. And kind of like just a sweet kind of plump mother figure. And of course they cast Laura Dern like the most gorgeous woman. I know. Currently alive. <laughs> 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 but I loved her. I thought she was great in this she movie She was really too. good.
1: And Meryl Streep is the um, annoying Aunt March.
0: Yes. And timothy chalamet timothy chalamet of is lori Laurie, Laurie. which is
1: like the perfect casting he is the ultimate boy next door he is the boy <laughs> that you want to be next door where is that boy next door
0: <laughs> i mean he's just so perfect as lori both in his physicality yes and like his uh chemistry with saoirse ronan as oh, joe yeah. They're just so great together, mm-hmm. so perfect on screen, and I don't think there's a bad casting choice in this entire movie, to be honest. No,
1: I think it's super excellent. Uh, should we get back to the story?
0: Yes, and Christmas morning. It's Christmas. Where the girls are, and this is actually, actually where the book begins, is like... Uh, Around Christmas time where the girls are lamenting about being poor and everything.
1: Yeah. And their father is fighting in the Civil War. Yes. Because the story takes place around that time. So they're having to do without their father there. And they're struggling with this poverty as well.
0: Yeah. And they're also struggling just trying to like be good and to do good. And the mother is trying to instill these values in them. Yeah. And there's this really interesting uh, correlation with the, the book and another work of fiction, Pilgrim's Progress.
1: Yeah, which is a, an allegorical story about Christianity and morality mm-hmm. and the journey of one character towards um, this idealized heaven, um, but the struggles that he has along the way. And the first part of the book, which was published originally as one book before, mm. um, is very closely tied to Pro- Pilgrim's Progress. Yeah. So the girls are kind of on their own spiritual journey, trying to set aside their selfish wants and their flaws to become like idealized versions of themselves and to be more pious, more moral. And I think this is really interesting because it does tie into the fact that the author, Louisa May Alcott, actually based these characters on real family members. Yeah. So she had three sisters. She was like the Joe of the story. Yes. And she had three sisters. She had a father who was, you know, um, kind of absent a lot. And they also struggled with poverty. But it's interesting if you read about um, her family life, she kind of made the characters of Meg, Joe, Beth, and Amy just, like, better versions of her family.
0: Yeah, and not only that, but I I remember you telling me that, like, when they were growing up, they were often split apart a lot. Yeah. Forced to live with relatives because they couldn't, their parents couldn't afford to feed them, that kind mm-hmm. of thing. And in the book, there's a very, it's specifically mentioned that despite them struggling in this yeah. story, that they were never separated, that the mother Nature. refused to send them, even to their aunt who lived nearby. Yeah. So it definitely feels like this story is like
1: a chance to rewrite her family's history a bit. Yeah.
0: This kind of like idealized version of like, Them still struggling with a lot of the same things, but maybe things being a little more idealized and a little better handled Mm -hmm. by the parents. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I do like that the book very directly is addressing them trying to improve themselves as people. Yeah. And I do think the book, you know, there's a lot of commentary about like the wealthy. And, like, what their kind of responsibilities are in ways to the poor and what to do. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I do think in a lot of ways it is, despite it feeling a little preachy at points, it is, for the most part, kind of an inspiring story in terms of, like them doing the most with what they have.
1: Mm -hmm. And this episode where they give their Christmas breakfast to a family in need, I think, is a great example of that. And we do have a great shot that Ian pointed out in the movie where they're going to bring their Christmas breakfast to this poor family. And as they do so, they pass a church. Yes. And many people are going to church. And whereas this whole group of people is going to church for Christmas, you know, the marches are really embodying the Christian values by you know giving to the poor yes instead
0: and that's what i appreciate a lot cuz i mean w- without going down a kind of like religious you rabbit know hole. rabbit hole <laughs> i do think uh it is refreshing to see a family that, like, is Christian and really acting on... Lives it. Yes, really lives it. And Mm -hmm. I think that's refreshing, uh, especially from, like, a modern view of, you know, of this story that... And I really love just that one shot. Yeah, For me, kind of really embodied that idea Mm -hmm. um, that, like, even if you aren't religious or christian or anything yeah. you can still really appreciate what they're doing mm-hmm. and like that they're really living the morals that they are trying to you know preach to others and instill in others Absolutely Mhm
1: Let's talk about the play
0: The play the play is so <laughs> They great. have a
1: Christmas play and honestly these little episodes that were about the sisters like and all the things that they did together and the experiences they made and the creativity they had in like making these plays and writing these stories and creating these games together yes. just really reminded me of my own childhood um, with my sister yeah. and how imaginative we we were and the worlds that we created. And that felt so real to me. You know, this is a book from like the 1800s, but like it still it still felt fresh in that way that like siblings create this magic together.
0: Yeah, I, I think it's so funny because... If you were to describe this story to me, or at least this part, of like four young girls just like playing together and like having these like imaginative games, I'd be like, yeah, that sounds fine. Like I wouldn't imagine it being interesting at all. Yeah. But these are my favorite parts of the whole story. Yeah.
1: I do want to read like a little section from the book about the play because it was so funny. They're doing this whole elaborate play and they're talking about each of the girls as if they're, they are the characters, so I'm just going to skip around a little bit. But, um... So, after a musical dialogue consented to fly, then came the grand effect of the play. Rodrigo produced a rope ladder with five steps to it, threw up one end, and invited Zara to descend. Timidly, she crept from her lattice, put her hand on Rodrigo's shoulder, and was about to leap gracefully down when, alas, alas for Zara, she forgot her train. It <laughs> caught in the window, the tower tottered. leaned forward fell with a crash and buried the unhappy lovers in the ruins (laughs) and then shake, uh, skipping head a little bit. Uh, let's see. Um, act third was the castle hall. Uh, This was a truly thrilling scene, though some persons might have thought that the sudden tumbling down of a quantity of long hair rather marred the effect of the villain's death. (laughs) He was called before the curtain and with great propriety appeared leading Hagar, whose singing was considered more wonderful than all the rest of the performance put together.
0: (laughs) I loved this part. It was so funny, especially just her uh, using the character names. Yes. Like, but then obviously breaking the... Like setup of the play with like these little mishaps and things that go on. All these
1: technical difficulties that they had in the play yes. that were so funny and felt so real.
0: Yes. Another. What was my favorite part? I think of these childhood games, especially in the book, was uh, the Pickwick
1: Company. Company. Yes.
0: And this is like a game that they play together where. They're like a newspaper publication. Yes. And they all have these like alter egos of like these. <laughs> Mr. Like,
1: So-and-so. Yes. These yeah.
0: older middle-aged men who that they are playing as. <laughs> and, and this is
1: actually a reference to a, a Dickens story. As yes. Well. Mm-hmm. And
0: I loved because uh, in the book they have these, these names and they're used Like, you know, their names are used as substitutes for, like, the actual characters. Yeah. And we actually get a large portion of this chapter is the actual, like, newspaper that they wrote. Yeah. And using the character names within there. So I had to keep referring back to, like, oh, who's that? (laughs) And there's kind of, like, little jokes about, like, jabbing at Amy's, not understanding certain words and vocabulary. Yeah. At one point, there's, like, a poem about their one uh Like bird that died, or it was a cat. I think (laughs) like a poem for the cat, and it's just such a a funny scene. And I loved. I thought that was such a creative writing method. Oh yeah, to just like put in a newspaper. Yeah, put in the actual written newspaper to like. Give us more insight into the characters. Mm -hmm. And I loved that we even got this scene in the movie.
1: Yes. This was so funny in the movie because there's one part that I particularly liked where Beth and Amy actually like clink pipes together (laughs) while they're in their mouths. They're just like, they like clink them while they're still in their mouths. And they're just like, "Mm, yes. They're mm. like, hmm, quite. Ha, ha, ha. Pretending to be older gentlemen. (laughs) Stamping
0: their feet. And like, it's so funny. And this is also a good scene because during this meeting, uh, Joe proposes that they uh, invite Lori into the group. Yeah. And they kind of break characters and are like, no. He's a
1: boy. He's a boy. Like this is
0: about pretending to be boys and like being a fun game. Mm -hmm. But they all like eventually like agree that like, "Okay, we'll accept Lori into the group. And it's this great part where Laurie like bursts Pops out.
1: Yeah, he was hiding the whole time. And and he's so in on it. Like he's like not mocking them in any way. No. He's like 100% on board. He's like, here, here, fine <laughs> fellows. Like I have come to join the company. And um, this is where he proposes a mailbox between the two houses. So he puts a little mailbox um on the property between them so they can like send each other like funny notes and things back and forth
0: yeah but this is a great this is kind of like the moment when he's really like um accepted by the march girls yeah. and kind of becomes like a member of their family and is really embraced by them because mm-hmm. You find out, like, Laurie is very alone in a lot of ways. Yeah. His grandfather can kind of be emotionally distant. And I think all the March girls, including the mother, kind of, like, want to, like, take him in.
1: Yes. I felt like this was really well illustrated in the movie. Because mm-hmm. there is a scene where Laurie is with his tutor and, you know, the March women end up coming into the house. Oh, yeah. And it's so, like, because the, the March women, their mother included, they're just like this whirlwind of energy. Yes. Like they're all like laughing and talking and like pushing each other <laughs> and they're just everywhere and they have so much energy and laughter and there's so much warmth and love and joy in that. And then they like leave and then it's just Lori his grandfather and his tutor, and it's the three men just standing there, and they kind of look like dazed.
0: Yes. You know what I
1: mean? Like like a tornado has just been through there, but that they're like lonely now. There's like a with vacuum. With the absence of them. Yeah. yeah. And I feel like that really well illustrates how lonely Lori was in that house with his grandfather for so long, and that he really needed a family, and that the marches really adopted him.
0: Yeah, I agree. I thought that the way they illustrated that You know, not through dialogue or anything, but just that, like, craziness and that energy. And that's something else I want to say here is that, like, I think Greta Gerwig does such a good job directing this movie. Absolutely. And bringing that energy. There's so many scenes where the girls are talking amongst each other, talking over each other. There's so much energy and, like, closeness between all of them. Yeah. And... It Just like it feels so contemporary, like the book does, yeah. You know, that's that scene early on when uh they're trying to curl Meg's yes. hair and burn it off. I'm like, this is something that would like totally still happen, oh, yeah, you know, despite this being a story All these, about like
1: beauty mishaps,
0: yeah, despite this being a story about girls during like the Civil War era, yeah, there's it's so authentic mm-hmm. and feels so real, and I think that has made it such a lasting book yeah. that people can still pick up and enjoy. Mm-hmm. And I think Greta Gerwig brings like the perfect energy that like, it's still true to the book. Yeah. But it just makes it feel even more relatable relatable, and modern and enjoyable. Mm-hmm. And this scene too, you know, where they come in like a whirlwind and then leave. Yeah. You know, it's just like, I don't know. You just feel like you know these characters so well and can understand them.
1: Mm-hmm. And I love how accepting they are of Laurie and his grandfather. They kind of adopt the whole group of them.
0: Yeah. And the grandfather quickly proves that he's actually like a very sweet man. He's like yeah. very intimidating. Yeah. I love in the book. He's constantly just like, hey, he just like yells, <laughs> hey, and like startles people. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But I do love this closeness that just like forms between everyone.
1: Yeah. So there's a couple different things that happen. I think the most, one of the most important scenes that happen, that happens in the childhood time is that Joe and Meg end up going to a play with Lori and Amy really wants to go.
0: Yes. And this was another thing that I'm like, this is so like... (laughs) Does anything Little ever sisters. change? yeah. Yeah, she mm-hmm. wants to go so bad is, like, kind of being a huge pain in the ass. Yeah. And when they're like, we can't, we don't have a ticket for you, blah, 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 and they leave, Amy's, like, pissed. really pissed. And, like, yeah. really upset. And we get a scene in the movie where they actually are at the play and everything. Yes. And one of my favorite moments from the movie, <laughs> they're leaving the play. And this is where we're starting to see Mr. Brooke likes Meg. Yeah, yeah, the tutor in, likes Meg, the oldest sister. And as they're leaving, he like gives her his arm and they're like he's He's escorting her away.
1: And then Lori (laughs) like offers his arm to Joe.
0: And she punches him. (laughs) And he's like, ow, Joe. And she runs ahead. And then she grabs Meg and like pulls her away from Mr. Brooke.
1: Yeah. So in one move, punches Lori and then steals Meg away (laughs) from Mr. Brooke. Like classic Joe.
0: So insightful, yeah, to her character and what she's about. And I just love in particular, how much in this movie Joe is punching Lori? I know. <laughs> they just have such a great <laughs> dynamic. Yes. It's so funny. But while they're away at this play, Amy uh exacts her revenge on Joe by finding all of her writing. And burning it. And burning it.
1: Yeah. And of course, Joe is so angry. Um, in both the book and the movie and vows to like never speak to Amy again. And Amy tries to apologize. Not very well, honestly. No, pretty Um, shitty. She's shitty. And this is why I didn't like her a lot in the book (laughs) because we get a lot of this at the beginning with Amy, like a lot of her dumb shit. Um, (laughs) but Joe is like super pissed, won't talk to her. And then the next day Joe and Lori are skating And Joe kind of turns her back because Amy's trying to follow them. She's like, wait up, wait up, wait up. And, of course, she's like, oh, this, like, little sister. I'm just going to ignore her. But then she ends up falling through the ice.
0: Yeah, and it's this, like, really dramatic, scary incident. Lori luckily, like, runs in with a tree branch or gets Joe to grab one. And they manage to pull her out of the ice and, like, get her home safely. And she Mm -hmm. ends up being fine. But it's kind of this startling moment. And Joe feels so bad about it because... Lori had warned her not to skate out into the middle of the ice. Yeah. And Joe, kind of out of anger, doesn't express this to Amy, even though she sees her her following. Yeah. Yeah. And so when she falls through the ice, she feels so guilty and is so upset with herself for being so that angry with her sister that it like almost killed her.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And she has this great conversation with Marmy, her mom, about her anger and how it takes hold of her and she feels it so strongly. And Marmy has this revelation that even though she seems so mild-mannered and gentle, she also struggles with anger. And I think this is a really kind of often overlooked part of Marmy's character. Yeah. That she is angry all the time and that she has to fight it so hard. Um, and she's trying to be better. But I think it's a really... Important example of like what women went through at the time. Yeah, and how hard it was for them. And I think also this is a reflection on uh, Louise May Alcott's family as well because if you read about her home life, you find out pretty quickly that her father was kind of like a piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> like he had all these ideas about like enlightened and transcendental living. Um, and he did support a lot of good causes, was very anti-slavery and things like that, but he never really provided for his family yeah. and kind of left his wife and daughters to fend for themselves in many ways. And so I think that anger that Marmee is expressing and that Joe feels as well is kind of just the the anger that women feel on having to live in this patriarchal world and having so few options available to them.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I- I I agree. I think it expresses it really well because Marmee comes across as such a almost like angelic figure who kind of like always knows what to do and is like always on top of things. But this idea that she's constantly fighting these her own inner demons and like you said, living in this world where women have very few options. Yeah. And I think the movie does a really good job of like those roots are in the book. Yeah. And I think the movie does a really good job of kind of accentuating that and like really bringing it, like teasing it more out into the forefront. This yeah. idea that like women really had, especially back then this uphill battle of like being, able, having to try to provide for themselves and like potentially for others yeah. and what few options there are and how marriage is so wrapped up in that, how like marrying well uh is important. There's a scene where aunt March tells um Joe this.
1: And she tells Amy later as well.
0: Yeah. That like, You have to marry well. You have to look out for yourself and for your family.
1: Yeah. Like, if you do well, then you can help the rest of your family. Like, it's not just about you. It's about, like, will they be able to survive if you don't marry well?
0: Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. I think, you know, this adaptation does a really good job of just accentuating those elements of the story that are already there.
1: Yeah. It's really important. Um, So there's, like, a lot of fun episodes in the childhood portions of the book. Honestly, I really I felt like the first half of the book was my favorite.
0: Oh, absolutely. When they're
1: children, when they get older, I'm like it's a little less interesting.
0: <laughs> it is. Yeah. I, and it's hard to say why because like the dramatic tension of points at the beginning is like kind of low. You know yeah, what I mean? Like I it's just them like either just like goofing around or, you know, they're bored. Like that's their yeah. biggest struggle. And god one of my favorite parts is they uh are being super lazy Mm -hmm. and the mom kind of wants to teach them a lesson so she's basically like uh i'm gonna go out for the evening and And i
1: gave the housekeeper the day off so you have to cook dinner
0: yeah and they're like (laughs) oh shit and joe takes it upon herself (laughs) to try to cook dinner and it's so funny oh my god just this series of mishaps the book specifically states she bought like a very young lobster and very old asparagus (laughs) and like the only good looking thing about the Uh, Dinner was the fruit. Yeah. But unfortunately.
1: strawberries and cream. She put
0: salt instead of sugar (laughs) on top. So she like ruined the only good thing.
1: The whole meal is a disaster and it's so hilarious. It's
0: so great.
1: (laughs) There's also a picnic that Lori throws um, and he invites other people there. They kind of like all have a good time. Yeah. Um, What else? There's the
0: pickled limes. Oh,
1: yes. The lime story where Amy is gets caught up in trading pickled limes at her school
0: <laughs> and gets in trouble and scolded and yeah uh hit by her like the headmaster for it and oh the, beth oh yes yes mm-hmm. uh beth is like so timid and mr lawrence their neighbor like wants to invite her over to play the piano yeah
1: because she's so musical yeah
0: and the piano is just sitting there but like it's so funny. He has to, like, be so coy about it and yeah. in inviting her and be like, I have this great piano. And no one
1: plays it if only there was someone.
0: <laughs> Do you have a musical daughter, perhaps, that <laughs> lives here that would love to come over? And finally, Beth is like...
1: It's so sweet, though. It is.
0: I really... Especially, like, I love that for Mr. Lawrence. Yeah. That he was, like... Because he can be a very intimidating figure and he's aware of that. Yeah. So he kind of, like, really has to play into...
1: His gentle side. yeah, And she reminds him, him of a daughter that died that he had as well. Mm-hmm. So it's really sweet. Um, and she gets to go over there and play the piano. And he ends up gifting her a little piano as well in the house.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's all very touching. And there's also a scene where Meg goes to this fancy ball. Mm-hmm. And when she gets there, like all the other girls, like let her borrow a dress. They do up her makeup and all yeah. this other stuff. And she's kind of, like, really getting swept up in it all. Yeah. Because she loves, like, the finer things. Oh, yes. (laughs) (laughs) The finer
1: things.
0: (laughs) And who shows up to this party but Lori, who she's not really expecting. And Lori is kind of a dick.
1: He is. But he sort of reminds her that, like, there's more to life than being rich and fancy. And Mm. kind of shows her the silliness of some rich people. Yeah. And how it's kind of better to be like your genuine self. And so that's sort of a lesson to Meg that like she tries on this life for like a weekend. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then realizes that it's foolish.
0: Yeah. And Lori, despite being kind of a dick. Yeah. Eventually comes around and is like, listen, I'm sorry that I said all those mean things. Like you, I like you as a person. Yeah. And I think you look great. And like, would you like to dance? And I, it's a good scene with Lori. Yeah. That I really enjoyed.
1: From the movie. Yeah.
0: Yes. So this is kind of around the time that kind of a couple of big events occur yeah. in their childhood that like are really kind of like serious things now. Because up know, until
1: it, this point, it's been kind of like, and this mishap and this little adventure yeah. and this thing, but like things get a little more serious when they find out that their father is very ill.
0: Yes. And he's in
1: a hospital um, and their mother has to go to him. And this part is also where Mr. Brooke, the tutor, decides to go with her to help her. And we're seeing more hints of Meg and Mr. Brooke being kind of in love.
0: Yeah, and kind of seeing their growing affection for each other and Mr. Brooke kind of, like, doing this very um, uh, genuine and, like, kind thing for her family. Yeah. And so the girls are kind of, like, on their own to fend for themselves a little bit. and. They're. I think the book talks about, like, they were really good about it at first. Yeah. Uh, but then as time went on. They and They get a little
1: more lax. Yes. <laughs>
0: and one of the things they were supposed to do was check in on this poor family. Yeah. Uh, the, the Hummels. The Hummels. And Beth, being the sweetest, most honest one of them, is the one who's, like, most concerned about them and is like, we need to go visit them. It's been, like, weeks since we've seen yeah. them. Yeah. And the other girls are kind of like, "Eh." Uh, we have other
1: stuff to do. We'll do it later. Um, But of course, this ends up being Beth's downfall because she's too nice. (laughs) Um, But the Hummels, uh, the children have scarlet fever.
0: Yes. And so Beth goes and is taking care of them and in turn gets scarlet fever as well.
1: It's like really fucked up in the book. She's like with them and like the baby dies in her arms
0: yeah it was really (laughs) they skipped this part in the movie (laughs) they did i don't blame them but because it was pretty heavy that that happened uh but she becomes really ill and at first they don't want to write to their mom about it because they don't want to worry her
1: she's already taking care of their dad and the expense and everything oh we forgot to mention that joe cuts off her hair
0: yes oh my god yeah what before the mom leaves to help pay for the trip and everything else joe cuts off and sells her hair
2: yeah in this
0: really like great gesture of Mm -hmm. like kind of self-sacrifice yeah and it's so great and what highlights it the most for me is there's a scene shortly after that night when she's crying and just like sobbing and uh, I forget what sister it is I, think, I Mike, think in
1: the movie it's Amy but in the book I think it might be Beth
0: or yeah Mike, I forget and they go to con- console her and they think it's a, she's cr- upset about their dad being sick yeah but she's really like upset about her hair yeah which sounds like vain but like
1: but it's a human moment where she's like is. I did like my hair and I thought that it made me beautiful and it's hard to give that up
0: because she played it off so well earlier she's like I don't care it's like easier to take care of now and like Mm -hmm. whatever and you think that she's fine with it but then you really see like the extent of her sacrifice yeah and how upset she is about it and I really loved this part in both the book and the movie I
1: did too I also really loved this part in the book where Beth is very sick Mm -hmm. and they're afraid to send for their mother because they don't want to worry her Um, But then Lori sends for her and it's like this moment where Joe is like, we need her. We have to send for her like because Beth is worse. And Lori's like, I already did. And (laughs) it's like, it's so beautiful. It's not in the movie, but I love this part in the book because she just goes to him and they comfort each other in this time of like sorrow and fear. And he's like, I knew you would want her. So I already sent for her and she'll be
0: here tonight. I know it's so sweet because like, like you said, it was against like everyone else's wishes at the time yeah. mm-hmm. and it was just such a sweet act and like such a thoughtful thing for him to do. Yeah. And it was like, yeah, it was such a tender moment in the book and I loved it so much. hmm. And here I think we should go back to talking a little bit about this broken up structure.
2: Yes. That the
0: movie has been laying out. Mm hmm. And so uh, Beth does survive the illness, yes, but was left in a weakened state because of it Mm -hmm. and was always sickly afterwards. And
1: three to four years later,
0: yeah, she becomes sick once again. And it's like more of a slow oncoming thing that she's aware of. Yeah. And, you know, ends up just, you know, once again becoming bedridden and and everyone's like taking care of her. Mm -hmm. And the movie plays... This past and present of her illness at the same time,
1: which is really interesting because it's showing, you know, it's showing the triumph of like Beth recovering, and also the tragedy of her ultimately dying. You know, yeah,
0: played out at the same time. Yes, and this is one of those moments where it did get a little confusing as to are we which seeing illness? Yeah, are we seeing the past or present at this moment? Like yeah. it might be a little tough to tell, but. It I think that was like the point. Yes, and it wrapping up like, you know, because at one point I remember it was definitely the future, and they show Joe lying in bed beside Beth. Yeah, and clearly like thinking and reflecting, mm-hmm. and you know she's thinking about when Her she being was sick. sick before. Yeah, yeah, and it was just so I don't know, it was so smart and so interesting, and I loved how it played this out. So you're not seeing two separate events of Beth being sick.
1: Yeah, because it is kind of repetitive. Like it is. not to be a dick and be like it's sort <laughs> of repetitive that this girl like dies kind of dies once and then dies later. But like I think the movie does a good job in treating it in a very emotional and impactful way while showing us like the happiness with like her recovering and showing how Joe and Marmy are like in such joy when Beth yeah. is better and then also showing the The scene of them weeping together when yeah. Beth dies, and I think it it gives a really good look at this family, and it gives a really, I think, great end to Beth.
0: I I agree. I think so as well. The only what the only thing I would be curious about is, you know, and the book felt a little like what in the same way where like they're just like Beth's heart is giving out because yeah. of the fever of the fever that she had once. Yeah. And you're like, is she really dying? Like, is she just kind of dying suddenly? This is
1: like vague 1800s people dying of things. <laughs>
0: yes. <laughs> of, of frailty. Yeah. And, but I'm curious in the movie, because they just give a brief line about like, oh, the fever weakened her heart. Yeah. And at this point in the movie, you don't know that she gets scarlet fever as a kid. Yeah. And I'm just curious if it would be weird or confusing to be like... Wait, is she dying? Is she sick? What's going on? Yeah. In like the quote unquote present timeline. Mm -hmm. So I am curious if how that plays out for people who aren't as familiar with the story. Yeah. If that's weird or confusing at all. Mm -hmm. But overall, I still love what they did with it.
1: Yeah. So, you know, Beth's Beth doesn't die until like three or four years after Um, her original illness, but to play them all together is an interesting choice. And then after we see Beth die, we flash back to uh, Meg getting married. And I think this is a deliberate choice Mm -hmm. because we see Joe um, at the funeral in the movie lamenting the loss of her sister. Yeah. And then we immediately cut to three or four years previously where she is losing another sister in a different way.
0: Yeah. And and this is one of those moments where this split mixed timeline, I think, works so well. Yeah. And you're just seeing you're getting this experience of her and this kind of like loss of innocence. Yes. In kind of two different ways, both her losing a sister, like kind of figuratively. Yes. And then her losing a sister in the future, literally.
1: And actually, um, this is, I guess, how it played out in Alcott's own life. Mm. Her sister died, and then shortly afterward, her other sister married.
0: Really? Yeah. Oh, so I'm wow. wondering if
1: this was a deliberate choice on the part of uh, Gerwig to, you know, put these together because it would have been what Alcott really experienced.
0: Wow. Yeah. And if we didn't say before, Greta Gerwig also wrote this screenplay and adaptation. Yeah. And apparently she was only hired to write it originally. Mm-hmm. But then after the success of Ladybird, they were like, can you also make this movie? <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, fuck yeah. Like, well, how could they not have asked her to begin with? But, I know. Uh, so, I mean, I think she's really, you know, really so smart to like structure it this way. She
1: is. And it's clear in any interview you read with her that she was very knowledgeable about Louisa May Alcott and her life. Yeah. And really wanted to portray a story that not only reflected the book, but reflected the author and Mm -hmm. her experiences as well.
0: Yeah. Uh, In the movie around this time around the wedding, Amy gets an invite from Aunt March to go to Europe.
1: In the book, it's like another aunt, but it just makes yeah. sense to put Aunt March in there. Like, I know. Why would they make us another aunt? Like, just
0: suddenly there's yeah. another aunt <laughs> who's Europe bound. Yeah. Uh, but Amy is like ecstatic to get to go to Europe mm-hmm. to like work on her art and becoming a better artist. Yeah. And Joe is really, really uh, shocked and upset about this. Yeah. Because it was
1: kind of implied that she would be the one to go
0: yeah especially being like the oldest daughter kind of most available but yeah uh, especially in the book Joe could be very irritating to the aunt yes kind of purposefully rebellious uh-huh and I think she just pushed it too far yeah <laughs> and so she feels I think angry at herself for kind of being responsible it up. yeah
1: in the book this is the time where Joe feels like she needs a break, so she goes to New York City, which is where we see her in the beginning of the movie, and she's selling her stories, she's teaching some children at this boarding house, she meets Bear there, um, the German professor, and all of this happens. In the movie, we actually don't get this going to New York until a confrontation happens with Laurie.
0: Yeah, which... I think that slight tweak makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah. Because Lori leaves after this confrontation. And it makes
1: sense she would leave too. Yeah,
0: they would just, you know, part ways. Mm -hmm. But this is where Lori, finally, they're on a walk and he is like, we have to talk. Yeah. And Joe immediately knows what it's about. And
1: she's like, no, I can't. I don't want to talk. Like, she doesn't even want to bring it up. Like, It's clear she's been acting like if she could just pretend that it's not happening, that maybe she wouldn't have to have this conversation because Lori loves her and he wants to be with her and he's admitting his feelings to her and Joe can't reciprocate.
0: Yeah. And it's such a heartbreaking scene. Uh, I mean, the book is heartbreaking too, but I think the movie just especially with these actors and the performances timothy chalamet is so good saoirse Ronan is so good and it's so sad it
1: is really sad because you're
0: so like
1: it's you- not clear to us what exactly is happening
0: no and i
1: don't think the book is very clear and i think the movie is also unclear as well because you know joe says that she doesn't love him but we've had a lot of evidence that she does love him
0: yeah and
1: that I mean, it's totally legitimate if she only thinks of him as a brother. Yeah. Like, it's absolutely fine. But I think that what they have together is really special. And they're best friends, and they care for each other, and they do love each other. Um, I think all of Joe's arguments against marrying Lori are more against marriage in general than specifically against Lori.
0: Yeah, and some of her points are like, you know... I can't give up my writing, and you would be upset about that and get annoyed with my scribbling, as she yeah. as she calls it. But I'm like, what evidence are we given that Lori would expect that from her? Yeah. Like, Lori— It seems
1: like he likes her for her.
0: Yes, he's very adamant that he's like, I like that you don't play games with me. I like that yeah. you're sincere and honest, and I like your faults and your, like, awkwardness. And, yeah. you know, he's very clear about what he likes about her, Yeah, and her arguments are like— almost we're blo-
1: too stubborn we wouldn't get along we'd make each other miserable
0: and maybe she's saying this to be nice about it yeah that like instead of just being like i don't love you she's kind of saying like oh it wouldn't work out mm-hmm. i don't quite know like what the character motivates but like basically what she is saying i'm not buying
1: yeah it doesn't feel 100 percent and I think this question of, like, should they have been together has haunted readers for years. <laughs> like, since it came out, because everyone wanted Joe to be with Lori, yeah. you know. And I think Louisa May Alcott specifically wanted to give a kind of contradictory ending, either to have Joe end up alone or put her with someone that was kind of, like, not the obvious choice. But... I think she makes the case for Joe and Lori so strongly at the beginning that it's really hard to convince people of otherwise, like, after so long.
0: Yes. And I would, I'm more okay with her not being with Lori if she ends up with no one. Yeah. But that's not necessarily true in the book. Mm -hmm. And we'll get to that point in the movie.
1: I'm just saying that Lori seems really great. And obviously he has flaws and so does Joe, but I think they could have made it work. In a more perfect world,
0: I agree. In yeah. a more
1: equal world, where women had less obstacles,
0: because it's Timothy Chalamet and Saoirse Ronan. <laughs> it. they should have been
1: together. Their
0: chemistry. <laughs> how could How could Greta Gerwig do this to us and cast those two? I know. In this doomed relationship,
1: it's so sad. That is
0: so great.
1: <laughs> um. So, in a heartbreak, Laurie leaves for Europe. And his grandfather goes with him, which is really nice. And uh, he ends up meeting Amy in Europe, which we've seen in the movie already. They've kind of established this. Yeah. And I think this is smart, like we talked about in the movie, like establishing Amy and Laurie at the beginning.
0: Yes. And we get scenes of them peppered throughout. Yeah. You know, as the past uh, scenes and events are going on, we get scenes of them in the present. Spending time together. We, one of the scenes is Lori is drunk at a party and making yeah. an ass of himself. And Amy kind of has to like...
1: Call him out on his bullshit.
0: Yeah. We get another scene where Amy is at her studio. And I liked this scene a lot, too. She's kind of like... I really
1: loved this scene.
0: Throwing in the towel as an artist because she's upset. She's like, I'm not good enough. Yeah. But either as a man or a woman, like, I'm not talented enough as an artist. And I don't want to be like... In the middle. Yeah. She's like, I don't want to be just like, you know, so-so at something. She's like, I want to be the best or nothing at all, Mm -hmm. as she put it.
1: And she gives a speech to Lori, too, because she It's kind of implied that Amy may possibly accept um, the proposals of Fred Vaughn, who is a man that she likes but doesn't really love. And he's rich. And Lori is kind of like making these comments about like well, you know, would your mother approve of, like, marrying for money? And in the movie, Amy gives this great speech where she talks about how marriage is about economics and how yeah. women have no options and how her family is sort of counting on her a little bit. And even though they would never put that on her, that she's sort of put that on herself and that she's always wanted to be able to provide for herself and the only way she can do that is to marry well.
0: Yeah, it's... A- like, yeah, it's this really great speech that you know, as far as I remember, is only in the movie, yeah, specifically. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do think there are it's themes. touching on
1: themes from the book,
0: absolutely, yeah. But I think she really distills it to this really great speech mm-hmm. and kind of enlightening Lori that, like, yeah, love is nice, but also so is like being able to get by and provide and, like, for my you family. You don't know what
1: it's like to be a woman exactly and to be in this position, and this really like. I think Amy is amazing in the movie.
0: She's so good. Like the
1: actress who plays her is great. I think there's more for Amy to do. And the fact that it is a nonlinear structure, it's less like annoying Amy at the beginning and then her getting better because she does has have such a transformation in the book and the movie where she starts out really selfish, kind of an idiot and then becomes this graceful and um, beautiful and accomplished woman. And I feel like in the movie, we are able to view that more fully.
0: I agree. And it it feels like her relationship with Lori grows more naturally just because those scenes of them spending time together are spaced out more. Yes. And you're more kind of like understanding of it at the beginning and accepting of the idea that like there may be something between Lori and Amy. Yeah. Whereas in the book... Like Lori doesn't get to be with Joe and he goes overseas and he's like, Well, maybe I can have her sister.
1: I mean, he literally says that. Yes. Oh. <laughs> That's a God. line
0: in the book. There there's this long speech or part where he's like explaining. Yeah. About how he, like, used to love Joe and now loves Amy. And the more he talks, the, the worse. worse it yeah. is. He's like, well, no, but you're my Joe now. And, like, Not. you weren't, like, uh. I, I needed Joe, but now I need you because I can't have Joe. But, like, you're uh. different. But you're still her sister. And I'm like, uh, stop. Yeah. <laughs> it's really cringy. It
1: is very cringey.
0: Uh, and so I really appreciate that Greta Gerwig was able to stay true to that story. Yeah. But making it more palatable. Exactly. And changing and adding a few lines, like later on, uh, Lori does say, like, he's he's talking to Joe about it later. He says, my love, I still love you, but my yeah. love with her is, is different, mm-hmm. I think he says. Yeah. And you're like, okay, that's probably the best, the best way. best way you could put
1: that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But unfortunately, while this is all going on, Joe is taking the death of Beth very hard. Yeah. And she does begin writing again because, you know, Beth wanted her to. And her family also encourages her to write. Um, And so in the movie, we do get her, like, clearly writing the Little Women story. And in the book, we do have her starting to write again and references to writing a story about family and about, you know, them.
0: Yeah. And kind of her finally, because we, you know, it's established early on that she's writing these stories for this uh, newspaper called The Volcano. Yeah. And they're kind of like s- sensational stories. Scandalous. Scandalous. Like- Short
1: and spicy, mm-hmm. as the publisher said.
0: <laughs> I don't know what it is about that publisher in the movie, but something about his voice is so clear in the way he delivers lines. I like yeah. love listening to him talk. <laughs> uh, but so she, even though she's making a living as a writer, she's like not creatively fulfilled maybe. Mm-hmm. And... So her writing this story seems to be bringing her fulfillment, and she's kind of shocked at the idea of anyone liking this story. She's like... It's just she, about boring sisters
1: hanging out, you yeah, know? Yeah,
0: when she sends it to the newspaper publisher, she's like, I don't know what this is. It's probably nothing, but I at least wanted to send it to you in case you find anything interesting about it. Yeah. And at first, he's like, no. He's like, it's he's like it's not interesting. It's yeah. bad.
1: Um, but eventually does find out that his in the movie his children are interested in it and wants to sell it. And we don't have anything like this really in the book?
0: No. It's
1: more like Joe's writing kind of takes a back seat at the end of the story. Yeah. There is reference that she's writing stories um and publishing things, but it's not super important to the story.
0: No, I like that this is being pulled more to the forefront because especially in the book too at the beginning, we get these – the girls have all these ambitions, and to varying degrees, they are successful or not successful. Yeah. Like, Beth is very musical, but that kind of just piddles out. Like, it doesn't yeah. really go anywhere. she dies. Because well, – that, that is true, <laughs> she dies. That was ultimately her biggest obstacle in becoming a musician is her dying and scarlet fever. <laughs> but uh, Amy wants to be an artist, but yeah. finds it very – Challenging
1: and is frustrated by her lack of genius.
0: Yeah. And it kind of is unclear. Like, it doesn't seem like she's going to be successful in it in the book. And Joe obviously wants to become a writer, but that kind of also peters out or is left much more open ended. Yes. As to whether she'll she'll be successful. Mm -hmm. So I appreciate that the movie takes this initial idea that like all these girls are very talented and carries it through a little bit more.
1: Yeah. And makes that a more important part of the story. Yes. An important part of Joe's story, which I really like. Yeah. And um, around this time, too, Joe is feeling very lonely.
0: Yeah. And
1: we get similar scenes in the book and movie where Joe is kind of realizing that her childhood is over. And even though she didn't want her sisters to go away and get married um, because it would, she would lose them, that it sort of happened anyway. Yeah, That, you know, Amy is in Europe, so she's far away. Beth has died. Meg has been married. And now Joe is sort of left behind.
0: Yeah. And, you know, she seems like kind of lost because she came home to take care of her sister. And yeah. Beth died. And now she's like, and even though she's writing this story, she's just like, I don't know what I want to do. I don't know what I want right now. And she gives this really great speech to her mom in the movie about like. I'm sick of being women, of women being underestimated. Yeah. And basically saying like, I want to be a writer and I want to prove that like women are capable of more and we're not just objects of beauty and like to be married, but also saying at the same time that like she's lonely. I'm lonely. And she also still wants to be with someone. She like wants to be in a relationship that she's not like tied down by essentially, or she wants to like be with someone that she can still, like, share, you know, her life with without, like, compromising. Yes. And it's just this really, like, sad scene where you see how, like, upset she is. And this is where she's like, maybe I should have turned down Lori.
1: Yes. And this is much stronger in the movie. In the movie, she actually is like, I think I'm going to tell Lori that I changed my mind. Like, I want to be with him. And her mom's sort of like, do you really want that? Is that really, like... Is it just that you're feeling sad and alone right now? But I think this is such an important thing to talk about. And it's touched on a little bit in the book. But because the book is like leading up to her being with someone later,
0: yeah. it feels
1: less impactful. Because this is Joe kind of having a reckoning with the fact that she wants to be independent. She wants to be... Important and to have her stories published and to feel accomplished and that she can make her way in the world but she also wants part of her wants to have a home and a family and to have love in her life and how impossible this kind of was for women back then. Yeah. And kind of busting apart the myth of like women having it all as Mm -hmm. well, that you can be successful and you can have a career and ambition, but you can also have like a home and family and a perfect marriage and a perfect children and never regret anything. And this is still true today. Like, It's very difficult for women to have exactly everything in both, you know, career and family because of, like, the world that we live in.
0: Yeah, and, you know, it's hard enough for anyone to have those things, like, but more specifically women. Yeah. It's harder for them to, like, be able to, like, balance this, you know, this balance of, like, people you love and a family and also these aspirations that you want to, like, you know, at one point in the movie... Joe says, like, I don't want people to forget that I lived. Yeah. And she says that to Mr. Bear, and I love his remark, which is like, oh, I doubt that they will. Yeah. Like, he really, like, believes, believes in her. her. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I really liked that it was, you know, balancing this idea. It's not just her being like, I'm a strong woman, and I don't need anyone, yeah. and, like, yeah. you know, I'm going to be the greatest writer. Like, it's adequately balancing that with, like, what she would likely feel at the time and like you know she still wants these relationships in her life and yeah. these like clo- th- this closeness that she had like with her family and with laurie at the time and mm-hmm. you know uh you, like you said this struggle of wanting to have it all
1: it's really sad in the movie she actually writes a letter to laurie saying that she was you know she made a mistake she wants to be with him and she puts it in their little mailbox And this is when Lori and Amy come home and it's revealed that they are married. And in the book, they have already written to the marches to let them know that they're engaged. So Joe has had some time to adjust to this idea and to be like, you know what? I am happy for them. In the movie, it's much more of a surprise. No one knew. And so it's kind of sprung on Joe. And it's so heartbreaking because you do see that she loved Lori. And that part of her wanted to be with him. And like that is now gone
0: yeah and she retrieves the letter before Lori finds it, yeah, and tears it up. and it's just
1: I was crying so hard.
0: <sighs> I know I could I, <laughs> I could was hear just you crying. Sniffle. It was
1: so sad
0: it was. and we also get a great scene because it really bothered me in the book, and i i'm I think I understand the timeline in the movie, but like, Amy comes back home because Beth died, right? Yeah, okay. I, I want to make sure I didn't like misjudge the time to- the amount of time because in the book she doesn't yeah like they're like stay in europe you can't do anything by coming home yeah and it's like i get why they would say that but like it that feels felt- weird it did it felt really cold yeah that amy wouldn't come home to like be with her family and especially at this time this is when her and Lori are really like their relationship is really like
1: blossoming, blossoming
0: and they're like even though she's sad, like, it makes sure to, like, clarify she's sad about Beth.
1: Yeah. Like, she's
0: still having this really great time with Lori. And she's I'm also like,
1: get, getting it on with Lori. So you're like, how sad are you?
0: I know. <laughs> so I appreciated that tweak that, like, Amy comes home because Beth died. Yeah. And there is a great scene where Amy gets to talk to Joe about, yeah. like, listen, I'm sorry that this is so sudden. Mm-hmm. And that, like, I know... That Lori cared about you and you still care about him to a degree. and Yeah. Um, and Joe is kind of like, it is weird, but because they had just lost Beth, she's kind of like. You're
1: my sister and you're important to me.
0: And I love this because it shows a growth in Joe. Yeah. Like before when she was so angry at. Amy. At Amy that she like, you know, let that anger almost let her die. Yeah. And now we see that she's matured and grown. And so I really loved that. As like a... An arc. Yes, as an arc and illustrating that change in Joe as a character.
1: hmm So we're now at the ending of the book, and the book has clearly kind of been building towards this. And Mr. Bear returns mm-hmm. and kind of courts Joe. And we get this scene where they finally admit their feelings for each other. And um, Joe Joe's Aunt March dies and leaves her House and Joe is like, we should make a school, and then they do get married and start a school for boys.
0: Yes. Also, we have to address this one aspect of the book. It's one of the biggest changes, I want to say, between book and movie, and that is that in the book, uh, Mr. Bear is 40. Is like 40 years old. Yeah. He's kind of a frumpy, frumpy. like on <laughs> like not overly attractive man. He's very no. kind, he's very intelligent. I like those qualities about him, but it was weird because I just kept picturing him as this kind of older, grosser (laughs) man, and I was like, "I really don't want Joe to be with him because it feels weird." Because Joe's supposed
1: to be like 25, so
0: yes, and so luckily the movie is like, let's make him a little way younger (laughs) and way more handsome, like a very handsome man. Yeah, and once again. You're introduced to Mr. Bear at the beginning.
2: Yes. In the movie.
0: Yes, in the movie. And I do like he has a scene where he criticizes her writing to her. Yeah. And it's just kind of like very open about it. Mm Mm-hmm. And I like that because it makes him kind of like, it gives him a quality that you could imagine Joe being drawn to. Respecting. Yeah. Like he's, he's telling her this because not to put her down but just to like he
1: believes that she can do better yeah
0: and to kind of treat her as an equal and like this is how i would talk to anyone and yeah and even though joe's upset about it i think she later probably goes on to like appreciate that quality in him mm-hmm. and so yeah, so that's just like a key difference between these representations of mr bear yeah uh much more palatable and better in the movie i want to say
1: yeah so uh, the, the book kind of ends this sort of nice ending for everyone. You know what I mean? Like she and bear open the school and like they have kids and then everyone's happy and blah, blah, blah. And Everyone's
0: got kids. Yeah. And, yeah. And it, it's hard to like, I don't know that at one point they talk about these aspirations that they had growing up and like how different their lives ended up being, but like how fulfilled they all still felt. Yeah. Which is a little frustrating given that, they all ended up being wives and mothers. And it's like. And not- having
1: to give up on a lot of their ambitions. Yes. Yeah. And
0: it's like for all the women to all kind of like fall into this same journey. Yeah. And all be like, well, you know, it all worked out in the end. And I was, it's, it's kind of like, ah, oh, man, but. I don't know, they all gave up so much.
1: Yeah, it's like, of course your dreams change when you get older. And the things that you want for yourself are different. And
0: not that having a family is like a bad thing. No,
1: but it did feel like, you're right, all of them had to give up their ambitions a bit. The movie does something different with the ending.
0: Which is, it's so... Interesting. Yes. (laughs) So essentially, Mr. Bear comes to visit. Yeah. They get along great. And he's departing because he's going to go across the country to teach. And we get this weird shift at first in tone.
1: Where all the whole family is suddenly like, you love him.
0: And she's like, what? "What?"
1: And they're like, it's clear that you love him. You should go get him. We should
0: chase after him. Get in the
1: carriage. Let's go. It's raining. We got to go out. And like, they're
0: they're swept up. And I'm suddenly I'm like, what's happening? Whoa, like this is like very like cliche and corny. Yes. And they chase him. To the train station. Yeah. She gets out and she runs to him. And then we get this quick smash cut to Joe sitting in her publisher's office. Talking to the publisher, and he's like, wait, so
1: who does she marry? Yeah. <laughs>
0: who does she marry? And Joe goes, He's like, he's like, Does she marry the neighbor boy? And she's like, No, he married the sister. The sister. He's like, oh, so she married the professor and she's like no he- she married no one yeah and suddenly you're like whoa what and he's like no that won't do she has to marry someone mm-hmm. like i'm not publishing a book that like <laughs> she ends up being like a spinster or like yeah. you know and they're like negotiating suddenly about like where the, the story ending. is and like what's going on and i love because she gives this line that is reflecting back to what amy talked about yeah where she says well Getting married in real life is an economic choice. So I guess in fiction, it can be one, too.
1: Yeah, because she's selling this story. And he, he's like, this is what we'll sell. This is what we need to do. And so they are they're negotiating over the ending. And as they're negotiating, we see the scene start to play out. Yes. With her in the rain. And then he has the umbrella. And then they suddenly like kiss each other. And then it cuts <laughs> back to him. And he's like, oh, yeah, that's good. That's romantic. That's, I like that. Yeah, that's spicy. Yeah, yeah. I like that. <laughs> and I think this is really cool because it does reflect what Louisa May Alcott's thoughts were on this subject. Apparently she didn't
0: want Joe to
1: marry at all at the end of the book.
0: And she didn't marry in real life.
1: No, she remained unmarried her entire life Um, and but because she published the first part of Little Women as a book separately by the time she wrote the second one she had had so much response from fans and from her publisher pressuring her to marry Joe off. So her marrying her off to bear was sort of like her like last joke that she could do (laughs) because he was like kind of not the typical. Yeah. Like choice. And so that was like the best she could
0: do Mm -hmm. was to be like,
1: well, I'm not going to marry her to Lori like everyone wants. I'm going to marry her to someone else if I can't keep her single.
0: Yes. And this ending just does so many different things because first of all, it brings into question what is quote unquote reality? Yes. Yes. Because they're talking about the book. Yes. And suddenly you're like, well, that doesn't mean that she didn't marry Bear in real life. Yeah. Uh, but it's like, what were the events that we're watching? Are we watching the events of the novel that she wrote? Yes. Or we are wa- Are we watching reality and what, like, actually happened?
1: And it blurs that line between, like, is this a story about the author or is this a story about the book that we're, like that she wrote?
0: Yes, exactly. And so really... It's kind of, like, left open-ended. You don't know. Did she end up with Bear? Yeah. Um, is, is the reality that we're watching, like, what actually happened? Or are we watching the events of the book and she never did chase after him? hmm I'm inclined to believe that we're watching the events of the book – given the weird tonal shift yeah. in the story of her chasing after him.
1: And then the scene later where they're all having that like picnic at the school mm-hmm. and everything and everyone's happy. Because that those shots of like the families together and her with Bear at the school are contrasted with the scenes of the book being made and printed yes. and bound. And it's wonderful scenes. I love those I this. love those shots. But it's sort of contrasting Joe with this domestic happiness. With Joe, with this, you know, kind of more career ambition, happiness. Yeah. That this book is being born. Yes. And it's like a creative birth.
0: Yeah. And it's so, and I love that, you know, because someone could um, criticize the author in real life for being hypocritical for marrying Joe off Mm -hmm. uh, when she never married. And since the book is so autobiographical. Yeah. But I love that line of her being like marriage is an economic decision Mm -hmm. and i'm gonna make that for my fictional character and it's like i think it really brings this great balance to you know that line of reality versus the story that we're witnessing yeah and god i keep thinking about it honestly this ending yeah i think it's so smart it manages to like have its cake and eat it too. Yes, it and, does. In terms of being true to. You can kind
1: of take it how you want it.
0: Exactly. Being true to the original source material while also acknowledging, uh, the author and like her history and her
1: vision for and the what story. Yeah.
0: And what she actually genuinely had wanted at the time. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's so smart. It I is. love it.
1: So which one's better?
0: Well, you know, <laughs> I felt, I'm glad I read this book I was very surprised in a lot of ways by how enjoyable parts of it were. Yeah. How so relatable it felt. Mm-hmm. Um, And I'm super glad I read it. But that being said, it does drag a bit. By the end, the way the book is chronologically ordered, I was super upset when Laurie was ending up with Amy. I know. And I was reading it and I'm like, God damn it, this is so <laughs> creepy and weird. Yeah. And I was mad that, you know, Joe was going to end up with, Uh, Mr. Bear because I'm like
1: he's 40 and gross
0: he's 40 and gross and I wish he just didn't marry anyone yeah and you know I had a lot of frustrations with the book and I just felt like the movie took all of that and managed to rework it in such a perfect way where I was much more with these story uh, beats yeah and what was going on and just made it much more palatable, and I liked it so much.
1: I will say that I feel like the movie is a more enjoyable experience. Yeah. I did like reading the book, but it is really long um, and kind of dense sometimes. And like I said before, the first half is much better than the second half, in my opinion. Um, And I think the movie does a really great job of chopping that up because the – Older parts are a lot more boring. It's just like a bunch of like death and marriage <laughs> and like, you know, sad bits. Um, so in a lot less fun uh, adventures. So I do like I feel like this the movie does a great job of capturing, you know, the author's legacy, the themes of the story really well and giving you kind of like the best possible version of events.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I can't wait to watch it again. I know,
1: I really want to watch it again.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And even though I really enjoyed the book for what it was, uh, can't really say I would willingly pick it up again. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I feel like the movie just does such a good job of taking this story and...
1: Making it way shorter. (laughs) Yeah, making it way
0: shorter, (laughs) polishing it up, and doing some really interesting things. Just by switching around the timeline. Yeah. So it's it's going to be a movie for me. It's got to be a movie for me too. Let's do a lightning round. Lightning. So first up for lightning
1: round is a terrible part of the book where they compare Joe to a nut. <laughs> <laughs> She's having a conversation with Meg and they're talking about how marriage will help her. And Meg says, marriage is just what you need to bring out the tender womanly half of your nature, Joe. You are like a chestnut burr. Prickly outside, but silky soft within, and a sweet kernel, if one can only get at it. Love will make you show your heart someday, and then the rough burr will fall off. And then it skips down a little bit and says, Grief is the best opener for some hearts, and Joe's was nearly ready for the bag. A little more sunshine to ripen the nut, then, not a boy's impatient shake, but a man's hand, reached up to pick it gently from the burr, and find the kernel sound and sweet." Like, this is so creepy.
0: Gotta get that nut.
1: (laughs) Gotta, like, get that soft, ripe nut. You know what I mean? A man's hand reaching for the kernel. (laughs) Anyway. Yeah, no, that was like
0: a weird analogy to make. Uh, We want to take a moment to talk about the outfits in this movie because, my God, are they fantastic? All the outfits are great, but in particular, we both really loved Joe's outfits yes. uh, in the more present future part of the story mm-hmm. when she's a writer because she has this really great style where you know she's still wearing dresses, but a lot of times she's also wearing like kind of a man's white button-up collared shirt with, like, a vest. A vest, Or, like, yeah. kind of, like, a suit jacket kind of thing.
1: Almost like a tie-type look as well. So she's
0: kind of got, like, this masculine bent on her fashion. yeah, Which is just, like, perfect for the character of Joe, who's mm-hmm. always been, like, more tomboyish, and especially since she's, like, has a career and is trying to, like, be taken seriously as a writer and everything, that, like, yeah. she would take this more masculine approach to her, outfits Mm -hmm. and i loved it i thought it was so great
1: i know between her and timothy chalamet their outfits were like uh, peak peak
0: chef's kiss
1: (laughs) (laughs) um next up for lightning round i did want to mention uh louisa may alcott herself actually um wrote some spicy short stories for uh (gasps) newspapers as well And it's interesting because people actually didn't know about this until kind of more recently Mm. um, because uh, some biographers of hers in the early days kind of skimmed this part of her life and, like, left it out.
0: Oh, so they knew, but they weren't talking about it.
1: Yeah, so actually it took, like, some more digging in more recent, like, um, biographers to find out that she had been publishing stories under a pen name.
0: Mm, Which makes Um, sense because Joe was doing that.
1: Yeah, and she... And Louisa May Alcott apparently never, like, had any moral uh, objections to doing this. And I think it was economic mostly because she was making money off of it. Yeah. And she had to support her family. But she was writing these, like, melodramatic, spicy, um, <laughs> sexy stories um, for the paper under a different – for a different papers under a different name.
0: That's so funny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one last little thing from the book that was, like – so ridiculous to me but uh when they all get older and have kids amy uh grows up and has a daughter who she names beth yeah and it's like very sweet and you're like oh that's really nice Uh, And then, like, in the last two pages, it's, like, implied that the daughter named Beth is very sickly and weak, and that Amy's, like, really afraid she's gonna die.
1: And I'm like, maybe you shouldn't have named her Beth.
0: I know, I'm just like, oh my god, why why did she do that? I'm just like, she can't die, she can't have another daughter named Beth, and like, oh god.
1: (laughs) Poor choice on the naming front.
0: Poor, she... She was tempting fate. Uh, But yeah, so that's that's it. That's it for lightning round,
1: And that's it for the episode. Thank you for listening. Um, We hope you enjoyed it. This was such a great one to do. I'm so glad we got the chance to do it. Thank you to everyone who requested that we do this episode. We kind of like had to. You know what I mean? Like it had like such a stellar cast. We knew the movie was going to be really exciting. So it was a perfect opportunity And um, patrons, definitely look out for our bonus episode that's going to be on the 1994 uh, Little Women movie. And if you're not a patron, you can find us on Patreon and contribute to our podcast. We also have um, bookmarks for our patrons as a gift, as a thank you um, for supporting us.
0: Yeah, so if you join us on Patreon, we are more than willing to uh, mail you some bookmarks. Yeah. Uh, They're great. If you flip them one way, they say the book is better. If you flip them the other way, they say the movie is better. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you'll have access to all of our bonus material. And we have a great growing community of people on Patreon supporting the podcast that we are eternally grateful to. We are also on all kinds of platforms. And if you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, uh, please leave us a star rating. It really helps us be uh, more visible to other potential listeners and pop yeah. up more. Uh, we're on Twitter. We're at Cover2Credits with number two. Find us on uh, find us on the email. <laughs> 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 you know, email, everyone's favorite platform. <laughs> we're uh, Cover 2 Credits Pod at gmail.com. We're also on Facebook. We're on Instagram. Uh, find us. Engage with us. You know, let us know what you thought of Little Women. Any ideas for... Um,
1: future episodes, future
0: episodes and adaptations you want us to cover. And yeah, just thank you so much for listening.
1: We're excited to kick off the year 2020 with a lot of excellent adaptations in the future.
0: Yes. And we'll see you next episode.
1: See you next time.
0: Bye. Bye.